0: Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamega.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, Joe.
1: And our podcast will be lost in the iTunes library like tears in the rain.
0: Oh, that's kind of sad. I watched Blade Runner the other day. So. Oh, okay. I guess that's appropriate. <laughs> also with us today, we have Nero. Fueled by the grape, I'm here. <laughs> oh God. Uh. They've been wine tasting. Uh, so you're, you're supposed there.
2: to spit out the wine, but, you know, I'm a little bit
0: crafty than the average well, you, you're, you're also not wasteful, right? No. You you're a frugal guy, so mm-hmm. you keep the wine. We also have Pinku.
3: I want to download hamburger. Hey, <laughs> hamburger. not Just, just, just what? Not Black hamburger star. meat. Why cheeseburger? Okay, fine.
0: Sweet. Pinku can has cheeseburger. Okay, <laughs> can has cheeseburger. <laughs> of the motto. I mean. uh, and then, of course, with us, we have Dustin. hey. Today we're talking about games, but first, a little housekeeping. Those of you that like conventions, StocktonCon is coming up. Actually, by the time this releases, it will be the coming weekend. Yes, get ready. Get ready. August 4th. Yes. August 4th, Sunday, August 4th, at the Stockton Arena. $10 admission, and you actually get $4 off at the door if you bring a donation of gently used clothing. Oh, good. That's really nice. StocktonCon is always really good about helping people. Like there's a there's an energy there of like outreach and help to the community. There's mm-hmm. always some aspect of that convention, it seems. Yeah, the you know weren't
1: the, the Sacramento Ghostbusters there the last time we were there?
0: Uh you know though that was at the Sci Fi Horcon or the at the at the Oh uh, yeah. The right. Miss Miseries Days. Yeah. Or no yeah. Sacramento. But but no, there there was something, some kind of proceeds from it were going towards towards food or clothing. I oh, think good. for the underprivileged. So yeah, StocktonCon is really cool. We actually really enjoyed the hell out of StocktonCon. You can go to events.pandamanga.com and check out our StocktonCon coverage from last year. It was actually our
1: first convention. It was our
0: first convention, so As don't press, judge anyway. us too harshly. Also, there's obscene amounts of content because we got over to zealous and spotlighted a gajillion people, like three mm. pages of people. It's just like eighteen thing. Yeah, it was. It was good time, good times. But yeah, StocktonCon is a really, really good convention. We enjoyed it a bunch. Lots of really great independent talent out there. We are excited to get back, hopefully see some of the people we saw there last time, and meet some new people as well. Man, I'm going to have to catch up on Ebon 07. (laughs) Yeah, you will. Because we're going to see those guys again. We very most likely will. Yeah, so make sure to go and meet us there at StocktonCon on Sunday, August 4th. Next up on Housekeeping, have you guys heard that WaterfrontComics.com has a new podcast? (gasps) <gasps> you're kidding wow. you're kidding yes. who's on it who's on it i heard there's this really really sexy guy who knows lots about comics named joe really i thought that was john oh, oh. Well, which john both of them <laughs> so the podcast is called four J's in a comic no that's not because we get high first well not entirely not, well
3: <laughs> stop <laughs> when, flirting when, not no when,
0: jo- when so so john Harder of waterfront comics recently had his website revamped and has started doing a weekly podcast it's a actually pretty awesome sister podcast for us to be connected with because as we focus so heavily on independent comics and web comics, the Waterfront Comics podcast, known as Four J's and a Comic because it's John, John, Joe, and Justin talking about comics, focuses much more on mainstream comics. Mm-hmm. Now, Stuff ma- you can actually buy at yeah, the comic basically book that's the whole idea, right? Is things that you can buy at the comic book shop. So. John Harder, who owns WaterfrontComics.com, which, as a matter of fact, is where we are recording. He has a wonderful store with lots of really great comics and an amazing trade paperback collection, which you should definitely come and check out. You can go to WaterfrontComics.com and see the website. Stay up to date with what's coming. He actually posts what will be in the store each Wednesday, which is, of course, comic book day. So, you can check out the podcast, again, waterfrontcomics.com. You can see the podcast. It's a weekly podcast, more talking about comics from the big two, comics from the independent publishers that you'll be able to purchase, not self-publishing. So, basically, everything not self-published. Yeah. <laughs> so, very, very likely, you'll be able to either go into and purchase and or order anything we talk about on the podcast. And we also... Seem to try and tie in a little bit with things that are going on in the world around us, mostly with comic book movies because they're so plentiful these days. We just recorded one about Wolverine, which will be coming out probably a, like tomorrow at the time of this release. Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we did one about Pacific Rim, uh, the Pacific Rim prequel, as well as other kaiju goodness. And we'll Godzilla continue to just,
1: gangsters and guns.
0: That's a great. Great comic. But we won't tell you anything about it here. Why don't you go to waterfrontcomics.com, click on podcasts, and download the Kaiju Cast? Anyway, so that goes my shameless plug of Waterfront Comics. Joe and I really enjoy the time that we get to spend with Justin from AskMetalhead.com and John Harder from, of course, waterfrontcomics.com. John is such a comics king. He knows so many things. He jumps in with these super, super like deep nerd knowledge Mm. sort of stuff. And I just feel like I'm learning so much. If we keep doing this, I mean, I plan to have have no plans to stop anytime soon. And I'm thinking that after a couple of years of this, Joe, you and I, we're going to be like 7th like, like level Laser Lotus comic geeks. <laughs> Lotus
2: is hard to obtain, too. It is
0: hard to yeah. obtain. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, you've got to, I don't even know. <laughs> you
3: lost. have to kill your sensei first.
0: You, oh, is that what happens? We have to oh. kill John and take over the shop? <laughs> <laughs> Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Maybe we'll just be seventh-level laser tulips. Or or
1: is where you you kill all your students. I think that's where we have to...
0: No. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, moving on. As I mentioned earlier, we are recording in a new location. This is the first Geek Life podcast in our official Geek Life studio. Hooray! Yay! We are actually in a wonderful little office space that John has afforded us at waterfront comics so we get to basically walk through the comic book shop go up some stairs sit down and record now it's awesome for a couple reasons chiefly i don't have to set up and break down the son of a bitch podcast setup every time in your living room it was really a pain in the ass (laughs) it's a lot to do everybody has their own boom stand everybody has their own mic it's it's a process
2: my cover spit cover
0: yes all of the good stuff so it's As much as we've gone out of our way to try and have a good setup, it gets more and more complicated to set up every time. So it's fantastic to be able to have something that you can just come in, sit down, press record, and you're ready to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So we're loving it. The sound may be a little different. I'm thinking it's going to sound a little bit better. There may be a little echo in the, the recording right now because we haven't laid down any kind of acoustic foam. But then again, we never had acoustic foam at my house, so...
2: Yes, the sound's bouncing off of all the comic posters around us with women with big breasts, which I thought would be hard to concentrate. But at this point, I think it's just ridiculous.
0: It, it, it mm-hmm. is ridiculous yeah. and also awesome. <laughs> so well, we've got a bunch of really amazing comic book posters that are John's comic book posters. And uh, we're very sad that we'll have to take them down to put up acoustic foam. But that is the way it goes. In, I wonder uh, if we can put them over the foam, if that would
2: or we here foam sculpted in the big breasted chicks good there you
0: go there you go i was thinking because the foam is one inch by we're one foot by one foot squares and we're gonna do like a checkered pattern i was thinking we could actually mount comics in between them so that would be kind of cool anyway enough about my geeky need to organize and or decorate i don't know what that's about i love to decorate little side note anyway save the ocd session for later. yeah moving on moving on that's about it for housekeeping Why don't we go straight into our Indie Spotlight of the Week. This week's Indie Spotlight is Point of Singularity. It is a webcomic by Athena Dickman. She is from Canada. I realized that after we have been doing this for so long that I never give the web address first. And for those of you that actually might want to read the comic as we're talking about it, have no... Way to do that, really. Well, again, unless you have the show notes, of course. But Mm -hmm. anyway, you can go to the show notes. But I think I'll I'll just start shouting that out right now. So if you'd like to follow along with us and you don't have the show notes in front of you, you can go to pos.thecomicseries.com and follow along. Talking again about Point of Singularity. Point of Singularity is a webcomic about friendship, laughter, dangerous chemicals, and life threatening universal war by 22 year old Athena Dickman, a Canadian based artist. Athena was born in Hamilton, Ontario, and managed to escape to Toronto at age 11, where she's been mostly living since then. She boasts an odd sense of humor, a serious, addictive interest in politics, and likes to read graphic novels, comic books, and classic lit in her spare time. Professionally, she has been writing since she was 8 years old, has been published ever since she was 15, and works currently as a freelance editor and content writer for websites all over the world. Her love for art began mostly at age of ten, and hasn't stopped since. Now so you wonder what an eight-year-old Canadian girl gets paid to write? Yeah, well, I mean, my definition of professional means you get paid for it. Mm-hmm. But that may not be everybody's definition of professional. I mean, hmm. just, I mean, that's what you would think, right? You guys? I mean, profession. Yeah, profession yeah. means you get paid. So who knows? Who knows? That would Canadian. be a good question. I thought she was 15 or
3: 18.
0: No, no. Th- no, when she, let's see, it says, oh. professionally, she's been writing since she was eight years old. Oh. So she must have got paid for something when she was at eight. We'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She definitely right. has a very, very cool style, a very interesting story that's emerging here. So I think that mm. it's quite possible that she has been doing something pretty straight up and legit since she was a little kid. Believable. Yes. Believable, yeah, believable, definitely. So the story is about Dr. Pilar Mitternacht. PhD, super scientist, and super drunk. Also happens to be a chaos elf. You caught that on the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not actually explicitly written anywhere. It's it's just on a little wanted sign that's against the wall. Because what, he's basically an ex-super scientist evil uh. guy. Anyway, so Pillor is responsible for a lot of trouble, death, and destruction. As the story starts, he's sitting at a bar, drinking his sadness away, I guess. Hmm. Hoping to keep a low profile and thinking about the pilgrimage he made to the Sanctuary of New Hope one month prior. He, obviously, like I said before, is responsible for a substantial amount of pain, trouble, suffering, death, and destruction. I haven't gone into it aside from him just explaining it a little bit, but it sounds well, like he was a s- evil mad scientist. Well,
1: no, he does go through his list of sins. Oh, he does. He does angels. go through his
0: list of sins with the angels. Yeah, so, all th- oh, The super zombies. This, Well, first, before we go into the list, why don't I just tell you what the plan is here. So, he made a journey to an ancient temple to speak with the angels that reside there in hopes to be forgiven. The temple is a holy shrine symbolizing forgiveness and second chances, and it is called the Sanctuary of New Hope. The angels of compassion and mercy show up and have him list all of his misdeeds. And his first thing he says is, well, chronologically or by death toll? (laughs) this comic has a really good sense of humor Mm -hmm. i actually really enjoyed the sense of humor a great deal and it's even visual at times there's a point where he's walking towards the temple he's coming down the side of this valley and he trips and falls and Ka face. And he goes face oh, and there's yeah. just this big just face on the ground and then he manages to sit up and like catch the paper that he was that it fell off you know after mm-hmm. him so funny. They actually
3: forced a laugh out of me. Yeah, it did. It was oh. funny, right? <laughs>
0: oh, so good.
1: Climbing up the hill to the sanctuary gets to the precipice, looks up and there's still more stairs up there. Son of a
0: bitch. <laughs> oh, he's, I love how he's going when he's going up there he's complaining about how Man, other reformed villains, they they just get, like, television shows. I want a television show. This is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so here's just a couple of the things that he uh, did, or that he lists for the, the angels. He said, I knocked over a weapons dealer, ransomed the Pope. Not the good one, though. The bad one. I'm pretty sure I'm responsible for three or four metaviruses that haven't been wiped out yet, and I don't know how many people went through the lab. He and his friend once tried to blow up a sun." They built a weather-controlling machine so it would always rain on parades. (laughs) Uh, He invented free unlimited energy but patented it so no one else could ever use it. And and he's pretty sure that he remembers massacring the entire woodwind section of a philharmonic orchestra. (laughs) But he doesn't remember why. Yeah, he doesn't really remember why.
3: Woodwinds.
0: (laughs) He goes on to say... I destroyed a moon once and caused a gravitational shift in the atmosphere, which makes me possibly responsible for the extinction of a species of arthropods. I pirated the collected works of Tyler Perry once while while on a wicked bender.
3: Is that really a sin?
0: (laughs) I've stolen a lot of lab equipment. I've shot at least three IDP officers, though that was kind of in self-defense. And then there was the super zombies. (laughs) <laughs> and then, like at that point he's going to keep going and then the angels are like that is sufficient you may cease
3: <laughs> I'm really just impressed that Tyler Perry exists in this universe <laughs>
0: right because mm. it's obviously a very different universe than our own but well, Tyler it's like Perry's 200 totally... years into the future okay yeah there it is wow <laughs> but he's still making freaking movies that
3: man's going to live forever <laughs>
0: so good like I said before I think this comic is really freaking funny like yeah. it's really good but there's definitely an interesting emerging story here mm-hmm the culmination, or I guess the result of him going to the temple to try and get atonement for his sins or forgiveness or something, is basically, no doubt he was going there hoping for them to just be like, "Ah," you're forgiven. Well, what they did was they basically created this, what looked like a tattoo or something like that on his Mm -hmm. arm, which represents all of his sins. And I'm assuming that it will slowly disappear as he... Manages himself, redeem exactly. But if
3: it's a sweet tattoo, do you really want it to? Disappear? It's kind of a
0: sweet tattoo. Oh. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. So don't redeem your sins.
1: <laughs> Problem solved. I get there. There, that is. Yeah, you can just pick up chicks all of
0: the time. <laughs> mean, then he'll be happy. You want to know? Why? He's how got- the ultimate bad boy. Be like, yo, that this this part of the tattoo that was the super zombies. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's just how
3: he got the sweet tattoo in the first place. <laughs> you know what I did?
2: <laughs> I confessed to the guys, and I was so badass. They gave me this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're like, we can't forgive you, but you can have a tattoo. <laughs> So what did you guys think of the comic story-wise? Page-Turner. Well, Page-Turner, oh, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I absolutely. felt it had some pa- pacing problems, but for the most part, there are po- points of genius poking through.
0: Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: Pacing problems? What do you mean?
2: Um, There was a lot of pages where it was just taking its time to get there. I thought it could yeah. ex- ex- be executed mm-hmm. much better. Yeah, there was definitely editing. a
0: little bit of a... I'm not going to say lazy, but a patient sort of pace. Mm-hmm. It's definitely interesting to... Me, whenever someone chooses to do a long form comic in web format, because web comics lend themselves to a complete thought every page or basically a complete thought every release. Mm -hmm. I've talked about having the idea of doing something like comic blasts where you have where you write and plan out the comic so that where every like three or five pages is a complete thought. You don't actually have to wait to find out what the hell happens and what the actual next step of something is because you feel sort of half finished in a comic. if. It's not complete every single release, you know?
2: Yeah. And some of the, you know, when you're using a lot of background and a lot of, uh, you know, textless frames and, and other things, you know, you're exploring the environment. But in the, in chapter one, I think she does a lot better job with it. But in chapter zero, you're exploring a desert environment that pretty uneventful, mm-hmm. and you get a feel for it pretty quick. And there's like yeah. four
1: pages
0: of him walking through the desert and up steps. Yeah. I was wondering what her release rate was early on. I didn't didn't take note of all of the release dates. Oh, yeah. But that's kind of what I'm saying, is that this comic feels like it would be most at home in a issue format, where you can have Mm -hmm. access to the whole complete chapter at a time, because it is done so well, and it is such an interesting story, but at the same time, it does take its time to set things up and have these establishing shots and these beautiful sort of meandering times where he's walking through this wasteland, like you were talking about, which is really cool, but... If I was reading it on the web and was like, okay, now I get to wait next week. Oh, he's still in the desert. All right. It just became like, what? But, but I mean, when we got to it, there was a bunch of it already there, and that works really well. So
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's working towards his penance scene, and I almost gave up because I almost – Oh, this is one issue. I'm done. I'm not going to do it. But actually when he got into the the actual um, room – and he started his monologue. I, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was genius. I really thought there was good mm-hmm. writing there.
0: There was, re- I mean, not only was it really funny, but it was really interesting. And when he actually got the tattoo on his arm, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like yes. this could be an ongoingly long-term cool story. You know, that's a big elaborate tattoo. There could be easily a bunch of different opportunities for him to redeem himself. Like it'd be really freaking interesting. Yeah.
3: I'm pretty glad I didn't have to wait for the release schedule on those early pages because I pretty much burned through them pretty quickly. Just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was really a, fast. I so mean, there's more, no more. text
0: at all. When there's no text, it goes quick. Right. Yeah. I actually read
2: chapter one and then went back and read chapter zero. Oh, really? Yeah, all, all those, chapter one that was released mm-hmm. at the point. So it was kind of a little different exposure.
1: Well, I read the uh, the latest page first. Mm. The uh, Which is this Him giant... ordering from the taco place. <laughs> which yeah. is quite funny. And so going back to the first page, I thought, what? This seems a bit different. Like a huge disconnect in the story. Huge, huge. Going backwards anyway, so. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, start from the beginning when you
0: pick. Yeah, it. yeah, definitely start from the beginning because I mean, you find out later on that it seems I don't know, when you're first starting to read a comic, the writer and the artist are establishing a world. They're doing some world building. Mm-hmm. We the term we use a lot. And I think that if you start like you did at the very be- like at the most recent stuff, He's in, like, this suburban area in, like, a city or something, and he's going in and ordering at a fast food restaurant, but then you start way back at the beginning, and he's, like, wandering through this desert and going to a temple to talk to angels. It's, like wait what
2: <laughs> yeah and there's some character choices too and you know it's very easy to write a doctor character it's very easy or to write a doctor character wrong and it's very easy to write a drunk wrong and when she does both of them a doctor drunk i was like oh this is just this is going to take some skillful handling here and i think she pulls it off
0: yeah i think mm-hmm. that the wry humor that the doctor that pilar has is really great it works really well with this character Definitely sort of self-deprecating and complainy, and Mm -hmm. just, it works really well. Like, I actually was endeared to the character very quickly.
1: Yeah. And you can tell that he has no idea what his penance is going to take, because as soon as he gets his tattoo and his mission to redeem himself, he goes to the worst part of town and to a dive bar to get
0: drunk. (laughs) To lay low so that he won't get into trouble. Mm. That doesn't work so
1: well, but... (laughs) Cause, so, you know, that's where you find inner peace is at the bottom of a glass
0: of scotch in a dive bar in the shitty part. Of well, that. it's like what step five of programming after everything's blown up, <laughs> cheap alcohol, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's true.
3: You gotta steal yourself for the shit that's gonna come exactly, out. Exactly,
0: exactly. Any other thoughts about the storytelling before we move on to the art?
3: I, I think, I think enough is Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. So what did you guys think about the art in this?
3: I don't want to say classic, but it's definitely a by the book hybrid of East and West in terms of great use Mm -hmm. of black and white and, you know, um, a good mix of drawing conventions in terms of like, you know, big eyes, you know, that's often anime, but at the same time, it's not trying to look Japanese. There's, you know, some other forms of representation, like the way the noses are drawn, for example, clearly not necessarily borrowed from manga, but borrowed from the rest of everything else. Sure.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that uh, I was really glad to see that it was in black and white, like when I jump back to the beginning, or I guess when you first start, it's in color. Then when you jump back to the beginning, it's black and white. The entire first prelude chapter, chapter zero, is all in black and white. And I love that, said it over and over again, that I love black and white. And this is very kind of bold, confident black and white. There's no grays. Mm -hmm. There's no screen tones. It's just black and white. It's just these confident, beautiful pen strokes, big, you know, rich You know, rich black inks and shadows, and the the sparse but well done pen touches, and I was really impressed. Like it reminded me a lot of kind of how Akira Toriyama does his stuff, where he does a couple of pages in the beginning with tones, but then the rest of almost like you look at Dragon Ball, there's no freaking tones in there, or or almost none. It's all pen touches and inks and and line and and it's just beautiful. And that mean it's obviously not the same style, but it reminded me of that right away that. There's a higher level, high level enough skill and vision here to be able to communicate everything without relying on anything like like the color, like, uh, you know, tones or grays or anything like that. But it's just the black and white, literally nothing else. There's no suggestion of, of tone or color. It's just, I mean, I just thought it was really cool. I was quite impressed with it. Yeah,
3: there's a great deal of clarity, you know, where it's I was so even, sharp. Yeah, I wasn't even yeah. thinking about it. There's actions too, actions and uh, setting that sort of thing. You're not going, wait, wait a minute, wait, where, where is he again? You know, I love like when that. he first
0: stepped into the temple and there was almost this solarized thing going on where in the, in the shadow and then in the light, cause there's light pouring through a hole at the top of this temple building sort of thing, right? Mm. And around that is all shadow and it's this kind of carved out of rock. It was like, what did it say? It was originally a meteor that hit it. Yeah. And so it's all kind of carved out of stone and rock. And so it's craggy and sharp and has this you know, sort of 3D dimensionality to the, the area that's, you know, kind of, you know, like a rock sort of thing. And all of those details and lines are described with white on black in the shadow and then immediately transition into black on white when the light is there.
3: Ability just, to express depth yeah, and texture. Yeah, it looked
0: really good. Like that scene, I, was, I stood there and Looked at that and studied it for a little while. I was really impressed. I like that scene a lot.
3: Yeah, it's really great. And on a personal level, it actually, that art style is familiar to me just because a lot of my friends draw really similarly Mm -hmm. to that. So it's kind of like charming for me to look at. I go, oh, hey.
1: Yeah, I've been seeing a lot more of that uh, east-west hybrid sort of art, especially in web comics lately.
0: I like that people are doing hybrids. I really like how you see a lot these days a fusion between the two instead of people trying to copy something. You get a lot of like the Ameri manga from back in the day mm-hmm. that just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. It, it, there's there's something wrong there. If you're – it's so hard to emulate something so perfectly that comes from a completely different culture, you know, that – I mean, it's doable. I've seen it. But most of the time it comes across as just kind of uh, cumbersome and awkward.
3: Well, I think you really have to ask why you're drawing the way you're drawing because it, obviously – Are you
0: emulating right, or are you expressing yourself? Because
3: this is a clear example of depths of – influence from you know more than one place so it's it's good to meld it together
2: yeah in chapter one you can really see that she started uh, to color it a lot more and and i think that it's really tuned for the web in a lot of places it'd be really interesting to see this printed to see how that turns out but the the artwork was more or less outstanding as far as the inking and penciling goes
0: yeah when it went to color at first i was like wow this looks really good especially that scene where he's laying on the bed i always like whenever they do something like that with a a shadow that has a pattern to it.
2: Yeah, she's really good with the lighting.
0: Yeah, but but I did feel like once he got into the town and was walking around that he kind of blended into the background because there was so much detail with mm-hmm. the color. When it's just black and white, it's a little easier to have characters show up and pop more because characters tend to especially with, you know, skin and face tend to have a little bit less hashy lines all over the place and the backgrounds tend to be a little more busy. That's a very Japanese style of having very detailed backgrounds and then more kind of exaggerated cartoonish characters. And it helps the characters to show up better when you take that into color and have all this busy color in the background and then start to do all the different shading and and everything on him. It's he starts to kind of fade into the background. So I feel like there needs to be some way that she goes in and makes the background seem more diffused or or subdued somehow i was thinking sometimes in comics recently we've seen people do a very masterful thing where instead of having because her her inner color there's still black lining right there's still black line work mm-hmm. where the characters or the things that are in the foreground whatever it is that you want to stand out and be the center focal point of the of the scene that that does have a black outline right that that does have a black line work on it but then in the background it's either a Like a slightly off black, like a special black from Copic or something like that, where it's kind of like it has a little bit of a – well, most of the time, the nicest look it has is it tends to have a little bit of a kind of brown kind of color to it. It's a very dark brown, and it just suggests to the eye without having to make it a blur sort of background, which Mm -hmm. I find very weird and awkward. But kind it just suggests that it's like a little pulled back. Yeah, like a little bit of atmospheric diffusion. Yes, exactly. A little bit of atmospheric diffusion. That's exactly what it is. So Anything you can do to suggest that, I think, would wildly improve the new style that she's moving into. Because mm-hmm. everything that was there before is solid, and the new element is the color. And the color is really well done. But at the same time, it feels like the characters are having a hard time standing out. But that's, I mean, like, really, that's... Pretty much the only thing that I can come up with that I and that's like quite nitpicky that I can come up with. that's kind of like, well, you know, you know constructive criticism, because I really enjoyed the hell out of this.
2: Yeah, and the artwork does not get in the way of the story at all. No, it's, not at all. It's, no. it's well mixed.
0: No, and it's this is coming balance. from a guy who doesn't like story getting in the way of video games, so. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's a little inside joke. I love how, uh, uh, aren't, don't you love how we do inside jokes on here and you have uh, no idea what we're talking about? It's really rude. I, I
2: figured you could make a Ryan Otto Brian, you know, where he says, it doesn't get in the way of the story. Oh, it gets in the way of the story. You just have those two <laughs> buttons and you can play it every <laughs> podcast. In
0: do, do you, you remember it. when Brian was sick one time or knew that he was going to be out of town visiting family and we sat down and we recorded. Oh, a bunch yeah. of different responses and answers from him, and I had a Brian bot, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I basically got to make decisions for him and ha- feel a certain way about things, and then have him respond to me. That was that was good we stuff. We could have
3: used that today.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's we, true. You we didn't mention
3: it? that. N- well, see, he's gone because we ate him. No, I. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he I was tasty. Ne- no. Needed little soy sauce though. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's really busy with a web project right now. His his day job is working on websites, and there is, as websites tend to be, all kinds of pressure t- coming up to a launch. And, you know, things break and stuff at the last minute. And so he is at home feverishly typing away and, you know, punching the keys, as they say.
3: We're thinking of you, <laughs> comrade in arms. <laughs> and listening
2: to previous panda, panda Manga podcasts over and over
0: again. Yes, listening to all of our sexy voices, including his. Yeah, he is very self-righteous and all that good stuff.
2: They're amazing to listen to. You can listen to them all.
0: <laughs> so any, any final thoughts about
1: uh, Point of Singularity? Just that uh, it has an unfortunate web address.
0: POS? Yeah. <laughs> That's harsh. Yeah, that
3: is That was hard. a little it's harsh. It's memorable, though.
0: It, it is memorable, memorable but it's
3: does it doesn't mean the same thing in Canada.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> confident it's still English, well, Joe. See, I, uh, I was
3: thinking Point of Sale, too. And I'm sitting oh, like, like, POS. That's not where I went. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can read the comic at pos.thecomicseries.com. Find her on Tumblr at iratescientist.tumblr.com, <laughs> which is amazing. Deviant Art is Terra Quads. That's T E R A Q U A D S. dot deviantart.com. Facebook.com forward slash p o singularity, and then on Twitter at terra underscore quad. That's terra t e r a underscore quad q u a d. Athena, we really liked your comic a lot. I'm really looking forward to you coming back from your much-needed hiatus and just seeing where you take Pillor on his journey. It looks really interesting. I'm looking forward to it a lot. Well, we're going to take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into the subject of the week. You're listening to Geek Live. Stick with us. (laughs) back we're going to get into our game subject next and actually visiting with us for the game subject specifically is justin from askmetalhead.com how you doing man good 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 to have you back on the Thanks. podcast good to see you guys are you winning downstairs there's there's a poker game going on downstairs
4: um yeah actually so uh i've are you put up? 10 bucks in my pocket already so that's awesome all right
0: very good very so good. he can take
4: a break and come chat with us yes. that's it that's it
0: everybody's down there like oh come back i want to win that bad. <laughs> actually
4: the guy who gave me 10 bucks left oh ouch oh. so
0: All right, so first, before we get into the game subject, we're going to go ahead and suggest a little book for you guys to check out. So we are sponsored by Audible. You can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife and get a free audiobook download and a free one-month trial of their excellent, excellent service. Their service is a free audiobook or free audiobook credit every month. And then after that, everything in their catalog is 30% off. It is an awesome service. I use it myself. Joe uses it. The the admin uses it. A lot of us use it. It's awesome. Sometimes they come up with deals where you can buy a bunch of credits for a discount, which is one of the reasons why Joe has copious amounts of books to talk about. So, Joe, what are you going to suggest for our listeners tonight?
1: Well, today I am going to suggest something not to use your credit on, but to actually buy. Mm. Mm. Suspicious, I'm listening, I know. I'm listening. <laughs> with money. With, with your hard-earned cash. Or not-so-hard-earned cash for something.
2: You can you can beg mommy and daddy they might help. Out.
1: Yeah, especially for this one it was a buck seventy four.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't
1: spend your okay. don't spend your credit on a buck seventy
2: four. Check your couch. It's gotta be <laughs> in your couch. Right. Yeah.
1: And this one so so worth it. Three ten to Yuma by Elmer Leonard, narrated by Henry Rollins.
0: Nice, nice. You're that's, right, that's awesome.
1: So. Anyone who has seen the movie Three Ten Dumas, it's this,
0: it's the same story. It is. Well, I mean, is it based on? Is the movie based the on the movie
1: book? is based on on the sh- short story. Oh, okay, it's cool. a half hour long. I was able to read this on my or listen to this on my <laughs> lunch break. Right, right, at work, and it is it's the last scene from the movie where they arrive in the last town and Christian Bale's character. I don't even remember the names now. But he's trying to get the convict on the train. That's the last part of his job. And the subsequent shootout and all the drama that's happening between this lawman and this criminal. And how they have this brief time together that's not quite intimate, but really close. Because their their lives are depending on each other yeah they the become law- kind of partners to survive right yeah the lawman yeah. has to depend on the outlaw to survive all of his friends coming up and shooting up the town and the outlaw has to depend on the lawman not to shoot him down so he doesn't lose his bounty to run off with all of his friends that came to town right exactly It's a good, quick-paced, exciting, exhilarating ride, and it also has all that great human drama in it, too. Awesome.
0: How was the
1: reading by Rollins? Rollins, terrific. I love it. That's so awesome. Yeah, you you can't go wrong with Henry Rollins, (laughs) and he's got that... Really intense, like, I'm going to kick your ass after I read this novel sort of <laughs> sound to him. It's so what was the title again? 310 to Yuma
0: by Elmer Leonard. All right. So you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife, get a free audiobook, and then go in there and pay, what, a buck fifty? A buck seventy-four. A buck seventy-four and get mm-hmm. two books to read. Or listen to. We never quite know what to say there. We always want to say read, even though they're books.
4: Well, I came up with a solution for that.
0: Oh, let's hear it. Okay.
4: If you move your lips while you're listening to it, you can say you've read it.
0: <laughs> Actually, there's really something cool that Amazon has put together. Audible is an Amazon service, if you didn't know. So what's cool about that is that the Audible and Kindle work together. If you buy the Audible book or the Kindle book, you get the other at a discount. And you actually get well some of them are equipped with what's called whisper ready or something like that whisper sync whisper, whisper net sync
4: yeah.
0: i believe it's whisper net
2: well it depends the net's the connectivity and sync is the keeps your place across all devices okay
0: so basically what it does is it allows you to be reading something and then connect to your audiobook and have it jump in and then listen to the audiobook and then connect to the book whenever so it's like depending That's on awesome. how it's rad so yeah. you can go back and forth between them depending on what ever the situation it is that you're in that allows you to do that. So that's pretty freaking rad. So man, Audible is a really cool service. We love it a lot. We we wouldn't have sought out sponsorship from somebody that we don't like. And so even though they do sponsor the show, we really actually like Audible a lot. It's a very cool service. So again, that's AudibleTrial.com forward slash geeklife and check out some good, cool stuff there. Now moving on to the subject of the day. We're talking games, of course, and the title that is ever so cheesy is Live Freemium or Die! <laughs> yeah. Freemium. Yes. So, yeah. I, I wanted to have that in there because Freemium is probably one of the greatest and Didn't most s- ridiculous tech terms I've ever heard.
4: Sounds like something Taco Bell would come
0: up with. Right. <laughs> the new Freemium
4: Taco from Taco
0: Bell.
3: Freemium Fro-Yo. <laughs>
0: so, freemium Fro. So, for those of you that aren't familiar with what we're talking about, we're talking about the trend of video games to go free to play. Now, a lot of the time, that's well, pretty much all of the time, that's going to be some kind of an online multiplayer game. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a free-to-play single-player game. Be- well, I guess they could do that if they wanted to. I don't know if they've done that much, but by mm-hmm. far and away, there it seems there. are oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it seems like. Uh, well, anyway, what we're talking about tonight is we're talking specifically about multiplayer, and in this case, a lot of the time, massively multiplayer online role-playing games or MMORPGs. So the <laughs> the idea is that certain games start or start or go free to play and then their pay model or the way they make their money is microtransactions of some kind. Now I think it's pretty safe to say that most of us old school gamers that are used to just buying the damn game. When that first came out, we were all kind of like a little wary of it Mm. and it seemed kind of like change. I hate change, (laughs) you know? And then also it just seems sort of awful because the early adopters of that were the Korean multiplayer games that were fucking
5: terrible. And I might be wrong, but it seemed to me that the whole trend started with Facebook games. That could be. Hmm.
2: Well, the the premium really comes out of the app store models. As soon as you have the mm-hmm. app store model, mm-hmm. you gotta come up with a ways to work around the certain restrictions
3: and recurring revenue with your user base.
2: Yeah, exactly. And sometimes you have to work around like sharing revenues with the store you're working with.
0: Well and and I guess what I mean by the Koreans is that the first few times that I saw a MMORPG that was free to play, it was either from Korea and localized for the States, or I had heard about Korean games doing that. Now, Korea is is definitely like the MMO kind of capital of the world. They're the most ravenous MMO players around. But anyway, so what brought this up is that a new game is just going into open beta, and it is a lot of fun, and it's called Firefall. That's a very different kind of game than other MMOs, and uh, I wanted to definitely talk about that. But first, I wanted to go around and just talk a little bit about what I perceive are the good, or what we, what we perceive are the, the good points of the free-to-play or freemium model and the bad points.
4: You know, I'll say that one of the reasons why us long-term gamers resist this kind of thing is because when you buy a game, for example, you bought Doom, you know, 15 years ago, right? 15. Okay. Well, so how long it is. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's see. I would have been doom was probably, I, I was about 22 or 23 when I played doom. So, and it, you know, I think that was, so I'm 40. So that's 18 years ago. Okay. So whatever <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is when you buy, wait, so <laughs> Joe, shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's when it came out on Alex. the 64, moving on, moving
0: on, moving on. <laughs> that's when you had to like
4: do high mem.sys and all that kind Ooh. okay. Ooh, DOS. Okay. Anger. So I buy a game. The developer has on purpose made that game as good as they possibly can. They put as much content into it as they can so that I buy more games from that brand, from that developer. And so what's happened with the economy in gaming is now you buy a game and then you buy a season pass for that game. And then the company has already probably developed or has mostly developed this content and they just decide what they dole out to you two or three more times over the year. And so now you buy a game for 60 bucks and then you buy a season pass for 50 bucks. So 110 bucks for that game and you get a couple more maps, maybe a new gun, maybe whatever. So those of us who are, that this is new for, but that are old school gamers, we've seen the transition from a, a medium that is developed to be very customer centric to making it very developer centric. And that, Definitely. and it's mm-hmm. a big f- you, frankly.
0: Well, yeah. you know, I think the thing is, is that, and of course it's business. And so it's more likely for it to be, you know, used for evil, but <laughs> the, the, I think the idea that it could be a good thing is great. If you, if you could have them actually put out a game that is the very best they possibly can and that instead of, starting from scratch and making a whole new game and coming out a little, like a year or two or three or whatever later, having an auxiliary team do something, but they can actually support that game so that you as a gamer, and there are a lot of gamers out there that buy a couple games a year and that's it. They don't buy two games a month or something like some of us do. And so the idea that, and again, this is kind of playing devil's advocate against what you were talking about. And I do agree with you, Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking that the good side could be that a game comes out it's great it's full, it's complete it's awesome. Then three months later, they come out with a substantial update that is awesome and or or a piece a little a smaller update that is awesome that allows to extend the gameplay so that you pay sixty bucks and then you know ten bucks and then ten bucks and then ten bucks and you, yeah, you may spend a hundred dollars, but you've got this one game that will carry you through most of the year that you can enjoy instead of having to. You know, get one game that lasts for 16 hours and then move on. And now you're going to go spend $65 on something else. Mm. So, so like it could be used for good, but realistically, like my realist is kind of like, yeah, right. They're going to be f***ing you. And that's kind of how all of us are nervous about, honestly. And I don't feel like most of the time it comes in a good way. It seems to come across bad. Like the shit that really drives me crazy is the unlocks, the things that you have to buy that are already on the f***ing disc and you right. buy and then it like downloads a 1k unlock it's like really yeah. <laughs> that's I hate so that. not yeah. cool a yeah. lot of the
5: time that comes with like the the whole project ten dollar thing that oh like yeah EA yeah yeah, did, yeah which personally i actually have no problem with i buy most of my games new anyways and so i have no problem with that because i'm getting that content i can totally see the developers wanting more money from that because they're not making anything on the used and so when they did like Uh, what was it, Battlefield 3, they disabled the multiplayer unless you bought it new or you bought the online pass. Well, six months or a year down the road, if I'm buying the game used, I'm using it to play the story to catch up to the next one or something like that. I don't really care about the multiplayer on it. And if I am buying it in that, that recent time frame, then I'm pro- then why am I gonna save five bucks to get a used copy when I can just pay five more get the brand new one and no I don't have to worry about well then half
0: the time if it's been out for long enough the new versions drop in price enough that it's comparable that like can it kind of perpetually is only five dollars more expensive you know anyway so we're kind of getting off into a different direction but yes I agree with you Justin that's a really good point a mm-hmm. lot of the time I think that's where we're coming from is that we're wary of the idea of them piecemealing things out and mm-hmm. I think there's definitely been a trend in video games to be released less complete and that you like i've gotten to the place where i don't unless i'm really excited about a game i am reserved about the idea of going out and purchasing a game the moment it comes out and then downloading it because typically it takes maybe two or three weeks for them to release a couple patches so that it actually works right there's been more than yeah. once where i've downloaded a game encrypted on steam and then it's unlocked and undecrypted un- and then i play it for a couple days and then the next thing you know there's an update and my my game saves are wiped because they <laughs> there was some kind of glitch that they had to do that fucked my game saves. Like, that's happened a couple times. And it's like, what the hell? And so, like, I've gotten to where, like, kind of an... I just feel like this is maybe a little far-reaching, but it's another piece of what you're talking about. Where games are coming out and they're not complete content wise or they're not even complete QA wise. Now I understand from a developer perspective and I'm probably going to get skewered by Nero over here that games are so big now and so ambitious that it's really unrealistic. They're going to work all the kinks out before it actually gets to a big audience. But
4: we could go on. We could talk about this for hours about how development times have really caused a lot of issues. But really what it comes down to is the developer is generally passionately working on a project that they care deeply about. Yeah. It's their child. It's their baby. And then you have the company that is going to be producing that game and shipping it and you know they're the ones that are like look you're over time we're not spending any more money on this and so ship it as is and that's that kills games Mm -hmm. developer has nothing to say at that point you know and you've seen companies game companies good game companies disappear because a game that they were developing and trying to ship and get it right and not screw it up and be loyal to whatever the brand or the 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 title was totally get overrun by the company that is paying for things. It's the publisher that makes those decisions. And that's why everybody hates EA, you know, or Activision or some of these large publishers. Well, I don't want to say hate, but... They definitely
0: get a lot of negative press. Yeah,
4: they get get a lot of negative press. But anyway, so... Well, it's a common
2: theme with artists and patrons, you know, the the patrons are only going to support the artist so far. And it's just something that's gone on for centuries that, you know, like you said, eventually realistic limits come into play and like john said the AAA titles are now such an arms race that you're going to have to you know spend 200 million dollars and all this time is going to be so complex you'll be lucky if you can test everything on the launch day um but i do think that i mean comparing today to 20 years ago it's nice that we have the option to buy a season pass because if you really do like the game it does give you uh an opportunity to support the developers further and get more content
4: yeah but Let me just let me interject. I don't disagree, but I would say this. If you are an adult gamer and you have children who play the games with you, regardless of what you think about, y'all, these kids shouldn't play these games. You shouldn't let your kids play these games. That's a totally different topic. You have a guy like me. I'm not buying one copy of that game for myself. I'm buying three copies of the game and three season passes. And every time they come up with something that you have to buy, it starts to really it costs a lot of money.
2: Let me ask you this. Why do you think you have to buy the season pass?
4: In most cases, if it's a game you really like. No, and here's con-
0: why. Here's why. Because if it's especially if it's a competitive multiplayer online type game like Call of Duty, if you don't buy the season pass, if you don't have the new maps, you're not going to have anybody to fucking play with yeah, when it comes right. out. Exactly. When those new maps come out, everybody moves on to that. It's a new experience. They're learning it. That's a huge part of the culture. And so the horde moves to the new content and you're left like with, you know, just twiddling your fucking thumbs in the dark like it's bad. Yeah. And, and so like and that happened to me. I bought one of the Call of Duty games. I'm not a huge Call of Duty player, but I bought one of the Call of Duty games to play with my roommate, played for a while, and then eventually a new thing came out and he was he had bought the hardened edition or whatever. The fuck, I hate the Call of Duty games. But anyway, they they had, he had bought the next thing and we went on to play and it was this this constant battle like, "Oh, well, you know, I I, you know, the queue wants to go here, but you don't have that game." And right. blah, and it's just like, "Uh," oh. and so you you actually like And it's kind of insidious, but the culture has created and the game companies have created this situation where if you don't have the most recent content, if we're talking multiplayer games, you don't get to play with people.
1: If you don't have the new shoes and the other kids won't play with you. That's
0: exactly it. It sucks to say that, but even at the highest level of the
4: game, even at the highest level, right? (laughs) If you don't buy the content, you lose the ability to play against other people. I have never, I haven't played 30 seconds of the campaign mode of Black Ops 2. I have played hundreds and hundreds of hours of online, you know, multiplayer. And so, I mean, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? I like the game. I like the content. I'm going to pay for it because I can afford to, but there's a storm coming, especially with the new consoles. We're not just talking about PCs. We're talking about consoles, the new consoles, no backward com- compatibility. There's questions even now where they're saying, yes, yes, use games, We're not even really sure how that's going to work. If I buy a used game, regardless of who I'm buying it from, I should have 100% functionality of the license that was allotted with that game. And that doesn't happen anymore. If you buy a used game, you can play the single player version. And I don't know that you can play the online version. And why am I buying a used game? Probably because I can't afford $60 to buy a new game, Mm -hmm. right? And why are the game sixty
2: dollars? Is because they're two hundred million dollars to produce. They they've kind of almost killed. Not themselves.
4: all of them. You know, if you know anything about, if you know, and I'm sure you do, but if you know anything about graphics engines, right? The same graphics engine will be used on five hundred games for five years. The content from last year's game, all of that asset can be reused in the new game. It's really just minor tweaks to engine and you know story building and then coding. You know, because you can't have the characters doing the same thing. But how much do you really, really need to redevelop the wheel to have f- an AI fish that swim out of your way?
2: Well, I, I think <laughs> like I said, it's an arms race. You got to do something different that wasn't done next year. You got to make the you can't just you sure. can't you can't
4: do something that was different from next year. The, the most different game I've played the game that's why well, I sat down and played it. And I was like, I've never played anything like this before. I can't even tell you the last time I played something like that. Maybe flower. On the PS3, Journey. Journey, and I haven't yeah. played Journey yet. Yeah, yeah you gotta complain. I mean, awesome. again, we talked about this the last time. The story is told the same. It's, it's, it, the story is the same every time. It's just a matter of how it's told. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, my guy's a different color. He's got a different gun. I mean, Unreal. You know, Simpsons did it. Unreal did it 10 fucking years ago. Everybody's had a grenade launcher. Everybody's had, you know. And so, wow, I'm really passionate about this. And we're getting (laughs) off topic. And I don't disagree with what you're saying.
2: Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you because I am sick of FPS. I mean, that's all these new consoles are, are FPS machines. Back in Nintendo day, it was enough blurriness that you could make any type of game you want. There is so many different game styles on the Nintendo platform. And I think that's why it's still a classic today versus Xbox where 90% of the games are going to be FPS.
0: So uh, that was very, very, like a really good conversation. That's why I didn't want to stop it. And this is a conversational podcast. so That's how we, we roll, as my friend Antonio says. But let's swing back to talking about the free to play MMOs. So I wrote down a couple ideas here about why they can be good. First of all, obviously, they're free. That's a good thing, you know? Low barrier of entry. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So then also because they're free and there is a low barrier, really because of the, the, the function of free equaling low barrier of entry, you got more people to play with. And those online games are all about having a big community to play with. If you tried to play an MMO that was losing members, losing subscribers, it very quickly ramps like the problem of losing subscribers ramps in a hard hurry because it exponentially devalues the game the less people that play it. I think that's a big reason why games that were originally not free-to-play go free-to-play because they're losing numbers at such a rapid rate. They're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, we got we to get this community going again. Let's go free-to-play. One of the many reasons, lots of reasons why people go free-to-play, but I do think that's a big reason. And that's one of the biggest reasons that I myself have gone back and played MMOs that I gave up on a while ago because it just wasn't vibing with me and I didn't want to keep paying the $15 a month. But if it's free, why not? I'll install it and play it every once in a while. And enough people do that and you get a world that's full of people to play with on a more regular basis. Okay. Next thing. And this is one of the things that I think is good financially for the companies is that people can pay whatever they want to pay because it's not like free to play is free and you can't buy anything at all. Obviously they have to make money somehow. So the way they make money is with the micro transactions, right? Mm -hmm. And so the idea is because they're microtransactions, you can spend as much or as little as you want. Yeah. So you've got a kid who has, you know, a you know, ten dollar a week or whatever it is that kids get these days. It's been too long since I've had an allowance, but kids get, you know, an allowance of some kind, and they can spend a certain amount. But it's not realistic for them to spend sixty dollars on a game and then fifteen dollars every month to pay it themselves. They can go, Oh, well, I'll spend five bucks on this mm-hmm. one thing. And they're like, it's within the money they can spend. It's within their budget. They can spend it. They can choose to spend it and they can enjoy it. And that company gets that $5 that they never would have got if the barrier to entry was $60 plus $15 a month. And so that is another really nice thing. And actually, I think it's a big reason why free to play has become so popular because it is financially viable in this situation. Oh, yeah.
1: I've spent more in on, on more games like a $10 here, a, even a $20 there. And because I didn't have to pay that initial 60 to get the bulk of the game, I'm more willing to, to shell out a couple of bucks every once in a while. Oh, exactly. In, in I don't think I to act- enrich my experience
0: just a little bit more. I was going to say I don't think that I've played a free to play game and not bought something. Because Mm – but then again, half the time, it's like 3 bucks or something. But, you know, because I don't have to have that big expensive buy-in, because I don't have to have that monthly, it's kind of like, so what? I'll pay 20 bucks to get the Founders Pack and get a bunch of cool shit because I didn't even pay for the game and I've been playing it for 10 hours and I f***ing like it. And so why not? And then the next piece that I think is really good about it is that you can purchase things – and this is, I think – and this is going to lead into our next subject here, which is like the bad part objectively, is you can – purchase things that you don't want to wait and or work for. Now if that's done well, if it's convenience items, if it's style items, if it's basically anything that doesn't get into the pay to win realm, awesome. (laughs) You know, somebody wants a bunch of different kinds of mounts and stuff, and you could go through the game, grind and get them, or you could pay 15 bucks and get it. If somebody wants to spend $15 to get a mount of some kind that they could have got otherwise, and they just don't want to spend the damn time on it, that's their prerogative. That's the beauty of That's one of the things that could be good about that is that if the things that you can purchase aren't things that are going to actually give you a competitive advantage or edge but are just going to make it more entertaining or make it more convenient or something like that, like that, that's how the world works. There are things that are more convenient and more expensive. You could ride your bicycle everywhere or you could pay for a fucking car. It's like I could run everywhere in this MMO or I could buy a motorcycle. I, You know, I'm I'm a grown-ass man with some money to spend. I don't want to spend 30 hours saving up in this game to get a motorcycle. My time is worth more than that. I'll spend the $15 and get the motorcycle. But right. then there's a young kid who doesn't have that kind of money to spend, and it works out. So in theory, that could be good. But I think that and this will be a very good segue into a way a lot of the bad things is that you can purchase things instead of actually earn them.
4: Well, and, let me interject just like, just a little bit. So MMORPG are generally time sinks. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's say you're a single father or you work a couple jobs or you're, you know, you don't make, I don't know. Let's say you're a low income earner, right? So free to play gets you in. You get to play for free. But you can really you're just trading the time spent playing the game for, it just helps you get to where you want to go quicker. So that's a good thing. The other good thing about free to play games is they develop economies outside of the game that you would never think exist. For example, in third world countries or other countries, China, which is not a third world country, but you have Korea, China, all of these small countries, you get, you know, we have the term gold farmer, right? These are communities of people that are making far more money than they would ever make because they build a character up because they have unlimited time then they sell it and they develop an income by playing video games now in another country that makes total sense but then you know in the US we have an economy you can go to the, you know McDonald's and get a job or whatever it is and so it's not as feasible though i have seen characters being sold on craigslist for incredible, incredible amounts of money, amounts of money. Yeah, and i'm thinking to myself there's probably 500 hours in that character by itself that you can kind of speed you can speed level some stuff uh, specifically in wow. I'm talking about, cause that's really the only MMORPG right. that I ever really played was wow. But you know, I see characters going and I'd be like, Oh my God, my character has better stuff than that. And you want how much for that? You know, and I actually, at one point I was like, maybe I'll just Craigslist my character. And my buddy's like, no, I don't do that. You don't quit the game. You know? And eventually I handed over probably, a $500 character to a buddy of mine. I just decided one day I was done. I quit. I transferred the account over to him and it was done, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, so the economy outside, which I'll talk about when we get to some other things, but you know, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that is a good thing.
0: Yes, absolutely. I think, I think that the, sorry, Joey, you had something.
1: There was an episode of the guild that the, uh, the really thrifty and cheap ass guild leader.
3: Yeah. The crazy.
1: Yeah. He starts gold farming for his income and eventually gets it to the point where he has set up a stock exchange exchange in game and like controls the way resources come in and out and finds a way to monetize that too
0: that's amazing
2: yeah Yeah, and i I think there's also like the kids in school have all the time in the world where the people in the workforce have all the money in the world so it kind of equals out some balance so (laughs) even if you can't get a job yet you can kind of catch up and uh, it goes back to the social pressure. Again, you want to you want to play with everyone else. So, uh, you know, being able to leverage that capital, if you're working to catch up, that can create a lot of fun.
3: Well, personally, for me, I mean, I'm a really, really casual gamer, like maybe once every five years, I might give a crap about a game or something like that. So the game I used to play like, oh, I don't know, 10 years ago, probably more was Ragnarok Online and only recently. Well, the reason why I stopped playing is because I'm not going to play. I'm not going to pay the 12 bucks a month when I'm I'm not really interested most of the time anyway. Uh, I don't care if my character advances really that much. Sometimes I just want to kill a bunch of stuff and then get out. So um, since they become free to play, it's made me think, well, hey, that's kind of cool. I can just jump in at some time, throw them a couple of dots, throw a dollar here or there to get on the pay server for a little bit and then get off of it and not be stuck with this membership that I'm not really going to use anyway and that I don't have time for, honestly, because I'm a grown up now.
2: Yeah, and 10 years ago the environment was very different. I mean, there was only a handful of games and they all charged. There was not such a thing as free to play. But with the numbers increasing and like everyone playing Wow, it almost you have to compete with Wow. So, you got to go free and then Wow went free and now <laughs> there's Oh, no Wow's to is free it.
0: now? Well, for to, to
5: well, level 20. To 20. Oh, I didn't know. Actually, that. they have a free to play version that gets you up to 60. You're really? very, you're limiting what you can do, but you can get to 60. Wow, mm-hmm.
4: good god. It's a part-time job it to is, do that if it, you're if you're in a raiding guild and all of that. So, anyway,
0: the bad. Yeah, don't don't get me on the problems I have with all that shit. If I buy a game, I want to see all the fucking content, not have to like depend on a bunch of other jackasses to see all the content. but Don't let me go there. I hate that shit. Yeah.
4: <laughs> and- <laughs> the thing that sucks though is new gamers. This is the norm for them.
2: Well, if you, like I said, the games let's say thirty years ago or twenty years ago in the nineties we didn't even have the option to go online. I mean, this is brand new in the last decade or so. Yeah. And I would definitely say MMOs are a lot more fun and a lot more addictive than the offline games. I mean, they had land games and it was a rare occasion where everyone hustled and brought your computer together. Um, I'm sure that's a lot more common today with these tiny ass computers, but yeah, things have definitely changed.
1: Yeah. I remember the only multiplayer I ever got to play was on a console, you know, sitting shoulder to shoulder with my friends and, in
0: their living room yeah we we used to play some stuff at the la- at the computer lab at school but man oh, yeah. yeah I
2: mean yeah which is usually a single player game and everyone's crowded around waiting for their turn or letting the good guys get go, as far as they can yeah,
3: we, them we got to see the beginning of that like when we were playing Half-Life you know after work every day
0: oh, right yeah, yeah the, the the days of the TF2 or Coast TF1 um, and all that sort of stuff TFC was. tribes dude I remember tribes, yeah. I remember uh, <laughs> landing
1: tribes. tribes in our computer class pretty good stuff
0: Well, let's go ahead and take a quick musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into the bad of free and freemium games. You're listening to Geek Live. Stick with us. (laughs) And go ahead and get into the bad part, or what we perceive and see as the bad part of free and freemium gaming. First thing that comes to mind for me is, advantage is sometimes given to players who are willing to pay more. Oh, yeah, yeah, it should
4: not be pay to, pay win. to win, it should be free Never. to play.
0: Yeah, one thing that you're going to see as a theme in this, the bad side of free and freemium gaming section, and something that Dustin and I noticed about when we were, we were putting this together earlier, is that... Most of these things can be avoided by the game developers. None of these things that are bad are intrinsic in the economy or, I guess, the, the the money model of free gaming. It is missteps that games make in trying to take advantage of that. So, anyway. So, the next one is a premium membership. <laughs> so, like, this is something that DCU does that really drives me crazy is uh, dcu uh, online is a really good game dc universe online is a really good game uh but and it was not free to play for a long time and then went to free to play and mm-hmm. then people started playing it <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things it does is that it still offers a premium membership which is what like a legendary membership or something like, yeah, that. Something like that and basically what that allows you to do it, it removes a bunch of caps they put on things like you can only have so much money in the bank you can only like there are certain things that as far as i'm concerned are basic rights of playing an mmo like you have a bank account and you should not have a limit like that's ridiculous Mm -hmm. so there are certain restrictions they put on the game that if you play long enough it's going to be like son of a bitch i guess i'm gonna have to go premium and it's not like oh hey i'm gonna buy this and my bank's gonna get bigger or hey i'm gonna buy this and i get more experience for a couple days 20 percent more experience for three hours or something or hey i'm gonna buy this and i'm gonna have a cool new decal or whatever it's like you can't fit enough money in your account to buy X, Y, or Z unless you go free. I mean, unless you go premium subscription. It's kinda like it's just shitty. Like it's just shitty. It's like if you're gonna go free to play, like go free to play. Don't be half in, half out, standing on the fence bullshit. Like that's bullshit in my opinion. Well choose
4: the things choose that, a model. The, Come the, on. Things, the things that are restricted should not be things that develop any sort of advantage for anybody.
0: Or should just not just be but basic ha- rights of playing a game, like right? You- well, okay. So let's be honest,
4: or well, let's maybe not let's be honest, but let's be realistic. Okay. Okay. So when you have a, a an RPG, in many cases, you have a backpack, right? You have a limited amount of space, but you don't necessarily have a limited amount of bank you can carry. I've never, I don't know that I've ever played a game where you're. Dollar amount max, though. I'm sure it has happened at some point. There was like hardcore modes for you know, like nine 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 I, nine, and you couldn't get any more money. Actually, I I'm played, sorry, Borderlands. I played Borderlands,
2: where the gold has a weight, and you can only carry so much weight. Well, right, but I re- yeah, that's very, I remember that. But that's
0: very rarely a game that has a auction house that has a big, huge MMO type economy. Right, right. Money is especially at different times in the game. The money, the the amount of money that you need to do certain things in a game. In these MMOs, is at times astronomical, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and And the idea that it would get goes
1: up so high. Yeah, yeah. that is so it restricts you. Yeah,
4: that's really not cool. And in which case, it level caps you to a certain degree. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I buy
0: that. So there's an advantage that you get. I mean, that's really going into that whole idea of like, is this an advantage that you get if you're willing to pay? Right. Competitive advantage to in comparison to other players. Like that's a misstep. But again, that's something that a game decides to do. That a developer decides to do, not something that is intrinsically part of the model of free to play.
4: Right. Okay. Also, yeah. one
5: of the situations that I ran into that really bugged me the most was, was a game that switched to free to play, and that was Champions Online.
0: Oh, oh
4: my God. God.
5: I paid for the game Mm -hmm. and was paying a monthly subscription and they switched to a free to play and they gave you a lot of options uh, for the powers, for the costumes, everything. You could really
0: costume creation was was epic. Second to none. And that's the thing that's so important about uh, that is a thing that is really important about a superhero game is that you're trying to create your own superhero, the guy that you'd always want to be, throw on a cape, choose your powers. And I mean, it's vain, but. It's a superhero costume. You want to make the most customized thing ever.
3: What
2: game are we talking about?
0: Champions, Champions Online. Online.
2: Yeah, I Selected suddenly got
3: interested, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I was like,
2: mm-hmm. really? Well, I, <laughs> I, another great one. I haven't played that one, but City of, Hero, City of Heroes is another great character creator one. But City of Heroes had an amazing crazy.
0: but this one was
5: many times better than that. Yeah, I was I like, blown away. I didn't
3: huh. even play City of Heroes. I just made a bunch of characters. Yeah. yeah.
5: So yeah. I had like 10 characters that I would made and i you know that you had limited slots but sometimes i'd delete one and make another that was one of my favorite parts of it so when they switched to free play one of to your favorite
0: dude you spent like 2 days making new characters <laughs> and you had this jo- you filled the amount
5: of characters you could have like it was ridiculous uh-huh. so when they went free to play they limited the number of character slots you had to 2 so they took all but two of my characters away and then some of the things that i'd used to create the characters got taken away because they now wanted you to pay to unlock the different options for editing the characters.
0: And and some of the things were just gone. And they didn't just grandfather paying
4: customers no, in? No.
0: No. Nope. No. Wow.
5: That's Was crazy. there a class
4: action lawsuit against there them on this? Cuz that's that Bullshit. seems very Okay.
5: So apparently they said that if you if you your characters that like weren't there anymore, if you paid to unlock the slots, they would come back. So but you had already paid, yeah. already
4: paid for that privilege. You had already paid for that right those, in the game as part of the original packaging. Those yeah.
1: characters were already there. They all kept the same level and all of the same equipment, but they restructured the game so that the power trees could only go up their own tree. Mm-hmm. Like You can take some of yeah, the energy powers bad. and add a couple of super strength powers. You had to have just energy
0: or just super and they f***ed the game up when it went to free to play it just f***ed the game up it's as simple as that
2: and City of Heroes when they well, they almost did the same exact thing but it was because you weren't paying for your character anymore that if you wanted those characters you'd have to pay and then you can unlock them
0: mm-hmm.
2: but before you'd have to pay a monthly fee yeah.
0: City of Heroes is gone now it's gone yeah, it's shut down November. man it's, a, yeah. it's end of an era so another thing that came up as Dustin and I were musing about the bad parts of free and freemium games is something that was also on the good list lots of people <laughs> the problem is, is that lots of people sounds objectively like a great idea, but because the, what did you say, barrier to entry, right? Yeah, the barrier of entry. So the barrier of entry is low, so that you can get in and you get more people playing, but then you also get a shit ton of casual, unskilled fuckabouts that are just jerking <laughs> around and they got no business being in a pickup group with you. And But trolls. they're just like, the trolls, and they're oh, just like, herk a dirk, a dirk, and they just get in there and they don't know what they're doing, and in a traditional MMO, where you need... A healer, a tank, some DPS, some crowd control for you to run anything worth running. If one of the important people in that safe balance of ecosystem of being able to run the, the raid or whatever falls off, like if your healer wipes, you're fucking dead. You have to – everybody's going to die. If your tank wipes, very likely, you're fucking dead. Everybody's going to die. Like – Sounds like a horrible game. <laughs> well, no, that's how those games work. It's it's well, it, I it, it, play it enc- games that don't work that way, but right? But it encourages team. Well, some of the anyway, mm, well. I
4: play games that don't work that way. <laughs> well,
2: seriously, I'm sorry. There are other games out there that don't work that way. I think it's
4: very some of the very popular ones work that
0: way. Yeah, the, well, yeah. the Warcraft works that way. Um, I but mean,
2: you, you can't you can't just cast say all of them. Work the point
4: that way, the point yeah. you're trying to make is if you have some somebody in there that isn't taking it seriously, and like, it's just game but there is you know you you are investing in this right it, it hoses the entire experience for you and maybe perhaps even 24 other people yeah, just wasting your time one if, of the reasons why free to play sabotage you one of the reasons why free to play works though is because of all of the new players right you got this amazing base of players that take them in the challenge was that is a lot of them are very young people Right. Very
0: young people that very don't have young. money couldn't have done it otherwise. Or people that are casual and don't play very much or exactly. just not very skillful. And so you get into a So if you have a higher barrier of entry, people have got to want it and be good at it and, and make something of it, of the experience. Otherwise, they're not going to continue to pay that $15 a month thing. And so when nobody has to pay that, sometimes you get together in a game. And MMOs a lot of the time forced to be able to see and accomplish certain content. You have to have a group. You just got to. And so – you end up having a bunch of shitty abouts that don't know what they're doing. Right. Which is a problem. Right. You got something to say?
2: Well, I just want to go back to the point. The reason I bring it up is because I think WoW is actually a very crappy game. There's actually much better games out there. Um, so if you agree. don't like the game mechanics, there's plenty else out there. It, it, okay. yeah.
4: To be fair, I, WoW was, I was just being silly, man. Yeah. I didn't mean anything by it, any disrespect or anything.
0: WoW is ancient. I mean, when did WoW come out?
4: 2004, I believe, because yeah, I was I playing mean. beta in 2003 or 2004.
0: So that is almost 10 years old. Yep, that and is an old f-ing
4: and game, and no DirectX 11, and but it's a beautiful game regardless.
0: Well, so but WoW manages to continue to plug on because of the the insidious social aspect of all yeah, that. The culture is it, built around yeah,
2: itself. It's it's got the highest player base too. So the chances are your friends are playing it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, a-
2: anyway, but the- and before a while there was uh, EverQuest. I mean, that was also a game that two. did really, really well.
0: Yeah, yep. <laughs> it's time for a new wave of games, and that that uh, that really it brings us into the game I wanted to talk about tonight, which is Firefall. So Dustin and I both got into the Firefall beta. Dustin first, then he hooked me up with a friend code to get into the closed beta a while back. At this time, my computer hated me and. Basically, there was a problem with my processor, and so I spent a bunch of money and time figuring it out. And now it's running. And so it, luckily, like a month or so after I got my computer fixed, we moved into open beta on the uh, on Firefox. And so Dustin's playing it and says it's an open beta. I'm like, oh yeah, I should install that again. And so I started to play it again and was probably within the first five hours, like blown away at how much great it was. It's really awesome. It has it solves a lot of problems that I have with MMOs. And I'm a very harsh critic with MMOs. I have a lot of problem with the reason why MMOs are so successful, in my opinion, being the social side of it. Because objectively, the idea of, hey, let's have a game that encourages that encourages cooperation, multiplayer, and all that. And instead of it being, let's have a game that encourages all that, it became, let's have a game that requires that for you to see all the content. Let's have a game that requires all that and that all that to be coordinated for you to be able to experience things. I would argue that the most awkward part of playing something like a traditional MMORPG would be pickup groups. Like I was just complaining about before, but to be able to see all the content, you're going to have to be in a serious rating guild. You're going to have to have people that know what they're doing, like that sort of thing. And so one of the things that I think is so cool about this is that it, it creates an environment where you can play with, with lots of different people and be able to have that interaction with other players and have, Like, absolutely no barrier to that. You don't have to sit around and chat and be like, hey, LFG, I need a healer. Like, you don't have to play that game. Something pops up on the map. It's a dynamic. Every quest in that game is dynamic. And so something pops up on the map. You basically have an operator that works with you and they say, hey, there's a great opportunity for you to make some money over here. Why don't you go check out this mission? And if you're within a certain radius, they'll ping you whenever a new mission pops up. And so then you just very naturally, you go over there, you check it out. Oh, it's hard. You're having a hard time. The next thing you know, there's two or three people there helping you and they all dynamically enter into the quest itself. You reap and share the rewards for the quest. So there's basically there's no downside for jumping in to help somebody else. And all these quests dynamically pop up all over the place, and there's enough people on one server that you can actually genuinely get interaction with different people. And it's all organic grouping. Like That, I think, is what's so cool about this game. The thing that stands out the most is that it's not just dynamic quests and organic kind of questing, but it's also dynamic and organic grouping.
4: Are there instances? Yes. There are instances. okay. Yes. And yes. that's where – so it sounds like it takes the idea of you're required to be in a large group to be successful at this game to – Look, you can go do whatever you want, but if you want to go do this other content over here, then you're going to be a guild or something,
0: right? Right, but you don't even need a guild. Like, like say there's a big attack on some city. Like, they have these dynamic events that just jump in mm-hmm. out of nowhere. You're like, on. Dustin, explain what you're yeah. talking about. There's was, there was events where the, basically you are in a world where there is basically extra-dimensional beings called the Chosen, and they're coming
5: in trying to f*** your shit up. That's the game. So, ready, set, go, Dustin. So – how they start is small little strike teams will start popping in. they come out of this area that surrounds the map called the melding, and one of the cooler features that we'll probably talk about later is that that's dynamic where the melding is but it's so which the, basically acts as your fog of war, but you can't actually penetrate it, yeah, so the chosen come out of the, the I'm not
4: down with anything I can't penetrate. <laughs> <laughs>
5: So the chosen come out of the melding and they start attacking areas. And there's the like defense towers and then what they call the sin uplinks, which are what basically kind of like radio towers that broadcast the network of like the quests and everything for the area. So they start attacking those things. And if they're successful, they end up calling in uh, drop pods that come off and start dropping off more of them. And then so they- the less resistance the chosen get the deeper they settle roots into your world and your outposts and your comm towers and so then they start moving around and start taking over all the different uplinks and to, until the point they get strong enough they'll actually attack the major cities and they full on attacks that take 40 50 people to defend these cities and the, if you don't take them over they take the town over and you lose that and if they So there's a sense area, of urgency right so right, something right. like this That's comes along That's pretty awesome actually exactly if, if they control the town not only do you lose all the resources and everything, you lose the quest from that area, but the melding starts spreading and slowly engulfs and the, the town smaller And, and smaller. the map gets smaller
0: and smaller. And the map gets smaller. So I think that's one of the things that, so that's why I wanted you to explain that, is that because there's such a high-risk reward for not interacting in these world events, in these dynamic quests, especially these bigger dynamic quests, because there's little quests, these little piddly quests, like go in here, pick this up, drop it off here, go in here, wipe this out, kill these guys... Which, surprisingly, I would say easily 80 to 90% of the time, you still get other people helping you in almost any quest you wander into. Would you say that's fair, Dustin? Yeah. But these bigger quests, the ones that really, I think, make the game shine, where the Chosen are coming in and they're trying to take over capture points, they're trying to take over buildings and cities and comm towers and watchtowers, whatever you want to call it, there's such a, there's such a problem, there's such a loss of, of resources and all that that... Everybody, as soon as your map shows up with a little red beacon and you get the little, little like demon horn sort of icon over one of your bases, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, drop everything, go over there. Mm-hmm. And so the whole server, everybody that's in your, I guess, phase on the server acts kind of like that. But anyway, everybody that sees that is goes, Oh shit, butt pucker and they run over there and try and fight it. And so you
4: do you have to unlock the butt pucker skill.
0: <laughs> butt pucker gives you a plus 5 to seats. Nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so there's no chair
1: wobble. It gives
4: you a yeah, It gives you a right plus now. 5 to It gives you a plus 5 to acceleration. There it is. There it is. <laughs> you
0: know but it's it's so great because it actually creates this this sense of urgency in these missions and so or very naturally and organically you end up having this massive amount of people working together coordinated and they have – when, especially when they attack a city, you were explaining to me earlier, Dustin, that there's basically lots of little mini quests that pop up around the city for you to break down their hold upon the city and blow up this or that, man some turrets, take down this tower, and work your way into being able to wipe them all the way out. And even individual things, like they have little incursions. They have, they have multiple drop points of what they call war bringers, and war bringers are basically these things that spawn enemies. And they have four different shield generators that are around them that are constantly supplying the Warbringer itself with a shield. And you have to clear out all the chosen under the Warbringer, hold that point, and then your orbital satellite dudes will drop down a, will do like, they like drop ship sort of stuff. So they'll drop down a shield disruptor, and then a minute and 30 seconds with which you have to defend the shield disruptor. One of those four shield projectors that are protecting this Warbringer spawner thing will get broken down by your shield disruptor and you can destroy that. So basically, slowly but surely, this thing's defenses work down. The whole time, you have enemies trying to attack and destroy the shield disruptor. The whole time, you have to defend this point. And that is happening at three or four different places in this town all at once. And there's a ship coming. And there's a giant monster. And everybody has to try and fight all this shit off. And it's just... Awesome, <laughs> it's just awesome. So
4: how how are drops and how is experience and stuff like that earned? Just based on your you your unique every experience little tiny thing that?
0: that you do, you get experience points for. Cool. And the more you're involved with, and I don't know how actually how like the, all the algorithms work, but I've actually like randomly gone through what I would call the, the like the radius of a quest. Like just been walking by and gotten points for somebody completing a quest, oh, but cool. it was just a couple points. It wasn't a lot. So I think that the more you're involved with, and it may have something to do with
5: time or how they many kills you get. They have a way of tracking it. Most of the normal quests do not show, um, but when you attack the cities, they actually tell you exactly how many enemies you killed and exactly how many Warbringers you help bring down, so and you then get the you percentage. get rewards based on what you do. I haven't
4: seen any of this yet. I've only very 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 Well, and those things are
0: random right. world events. They're just dynamic events that just happen. And so kind of like how Rift has just rifts that open up sometimes and it's a awesome thing and people go in. It's like that kind of an idea hmm. where it's that combined with capture point stuff, combined with trying to maintain I mean it's just it's a very neat system. So For me, just MMO-wise in general, like that is really rad. And it solves a lot of, if not most of my personal challenges and gripes with MMOs in general.
2: Yeah, I think this current generation too are kinda of designed to be free to play. Yeah. Where the old ones were kind of converted and I think these new ones uh a lot of this reminds me of Guild Wars two, which has done a great job of
0: a really good
5: job. Yeah.
2: Um you know, being able to just jump in anywhere and earn XP where, you know, it might not be your intended
0: singular path. It's nice, it's nice.
5: And I've been following this game for a really long time. Yes, absolutely um, Facebook. Several years. It. Uh, and originally this was really ambitious, and everybody was kind of going, "This game is not ever going to get off the ground." They want to do too much. Yeah. And I remember last slowly, year you
1: showed me like a development video.
5: Yeah, and so it's slowly come together, and they're actually managing to do it. Where they're also doing the free to play model, and where you don't even have. I'd pay for this game. It's enough of a game that I would pay... I mean, it's solid. The yeah. controls feel good. The game mm-hmm. looks good. Like,
0: it doesn't have a that sort of styrofoam feel that a lot of games have these days. Like, it doesn't feel like you're paying for half a game.
5: Mm-hmm. And they already... They actually, it's in open beta, and they already have the some of the pay models already available. But it's just some. Like, don't by any means go in and try this
0: game based on what we say about... Mo- based on our recommendation during this podcast, and then go, man, this game's not enough content. It's not complete. It's in beta. It's not done yet. There are things that are planned. Look up their blog. Look up their information and see what's coming before you make a a real judgment
5: on this. And also with their the way they've talked about doing the beta is this has slowly been basically they've built up from the alpha, which was kind of friends and family, to starting out with a closed group. And then every couple months, they give each of the beta members two tickets to give to friends to join the game and there wasn't really a like flip the switch all of a sudden they just slowly grew the beta to the point that they said okay now it's open beta and so i i've I've seen where they basically had when i got invited to the beta there was a building and there was about a football field size area that actually didn't even have any enemies with it that you could just run around in and then you could queue up for the pvp matches and then (laughs) slowly they added enemies into the area and then slowly they made the area bigger and then now they have a big world map and they're actually what they're the way they're increasing it is using that melding, they actually are going to add stuff out in the melding.
0: And then and you then have to add complete,
5: it. A- actively do stuff, you can force the melding back and reveal the new stuff that they've added in. That's awesome.
0: Now speaking of PvP, that's another thing that this game does really well. The PvP is not only really fun and dynamic, and I'm saying dynamic too much. Not only today's word is dynamic. Oh, well, that's Nobody really PV- what this game right. is. It's very is dynamic.
1: Everything yeah. you do does something. Yeah, yep. that's really impressive for a video game. Yep. Everything you do does something. Mm-hmm.
0: The the thing about PVP that I think is really
4: that's pretty dynamic, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
0: The, the thing the thing that I think is really cool about the PVP is that as soon as you get into the PVP, you are stripped of any individualized or personalized things, and you basically get a a straight setup. Normal thing so that everybody's on a level playing field. Now, everybody, you, there's a lot of customization available. There's lots of different frames that have a very different kind of play style that, you know, that you're going to be me- familiar with, but it's not going to be like, I'm this level, you're this level, you're this. There's not that classic. RPG, like, you can't have Twinks. You can't have people in Battlegrounds that are, you know, like, what's the range for Battlegrounds? Typically, like, like 10 10 levels. levels. So you're not gonna have, you're not gonna be in there at a level, as like a level 25, fighting people that are level 29 that are just whomping you because they're level 29. That's not gonna be like that. There is, everything is completely skill-based when you get into the actual player versus player competitive play, which, for me, that's awesome. I hate the idea that some, that some douchebag has spent more time clicking and pressing shift and one two three and four whatever the hell his combination is to get a couple layer l- levels higher than me, then he can come around and just flick me like a bug. I hate that shit. I want that guy to beat me because he's better. I want to beat him because I'm better. I, that is gratifying to me. Being rewarded for having the skill, having the skill, not the bank account. The, exactly. Now, if you, if not the bank account or the time, like if you're going to spend a bunch of time on a game and not actually get good at it and just be spinning your wheels. And then you get up against somebody who is better at you, more skillful than you, you should still lose. I don't like the idea if somebody's going to sit around and, you know, like to use the South Park example, you know, go kill boars in a field until they level up really high. They don't know how to play PvP. They don't know how to play the game. But just because they have a higher level, they can flick me like a little bug and kill me. Like that's one of the coolest things about this game is that the actual competitive part. Because everything else is a really good job of feeling cooperative. There's not this... Oh, I get it, but you don't get it. Or you get it, but I don't get it. Nobody's ninja-ing anything from anybody. That's, that's a term that we use in yeah. the world where people take something that's yours or take something you could have got. You're not taking kills from somebody. You're not taking experience. You're not killing mobs that you need to kill in this area and, but, and you need to kill 10 of them and, Everybody's killing them, and so you got to wait and try and sneak and grab one and aggro one to make it key in onto you before you can get that kill. Like everybody shares in a mission in an area, so that's there's this wonderful feeling of cooperation out in the world. And then when you actually get into the competitive stuff, any potential advantage that you might be able to gain outside of just being damn well better at the game play is taken away from you. And you don't win or do do well unless you're more skillful.
3: An interesting take I've heard on, on, on the whole PvP thing is the example is, a uh, Ashron's Call. Anyone ever play that besides, uh, Nero right here? Well, essentially they had their Carabar server where you didn't kill, but then they had the, uh, the PK server where you could just kill anybody that you encountered. And what was interesting about that game, which I haven't actually seen again is sure you could, was it that it was actually possible to take down somebody who was a bajillion levels above you if you were just better at playing the game. That's awesome. And mm-hmm. I have not. Has that even come back yet? What is that game? It's so
2: old. It's still around. It's been going over 10 years. Warner Brothers owns it now. Interesting. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of concepts for MUDs and BBS door games that they've tested all these multiplayer things and there's like these great systems that work well and then we got MMOs where they just completely restarted over and we have ends up with these horrible systems like EverQuest was actually designed so you had enormous amounts of downtime so you'd have to sit around and end up. What it would happen is you'd end up sitting around everyone else who's sitting around, and you would talk, become friends, and join guilds. So the social interaction was planned and designed in the gameplay itself. Interesting. And so you you get you know that's not the cup of tea for every gamer, but if you're a social light, this you will love EverQuest.
5: Absolutely. Well, also, the most of the MMOs that gameplay style was developed to deal with latency issues of having so many people interacting at the same time mm-hmm. over internet connection. Now at the mm-hmm. same I mean our technology is getting better and better
2: well but, but a- astronauts call worked on a modem and there was there were some issues but it was very very minor so that the, they had the tech solved by the hmm. late 90s.
0: Well one of the things that's so cool about firefall is that they still have insanely busy incursions that, yeah, you lose a little bit of frame rate, but I've not run into, like, shooting and then having somebody warp over here. Like, I haven't run into a lot of latency issues aside Mm. from, like, some weird menu glitches, which I would imagine are things that will get solved when we move out of beta. Mm. But the thing that I was blown away with is I got into one of those, like I explained earlier, the Warbringer situations, and, like, one or two of them showed up next to each other, and there were easily 30 people, 30, like, players running around, and then way more than that NPCs all at the same time and they you know people are you know showing up and they're having different kinds of weapons different shields they're dropping turrets they're like it was frantic and crazy and mm-hmm. my frame rate noticeably dropped i mean but that's expected when you got that many people well, going on but it still was playable and it was awesome
2: and it's really tough too especially in the new mmorpgs where there is you know high demand on the graphics you have to build these games for the lowest common denominator now. And now there's never been such a range as there ever has been before between mm-hmm. people with, you know, I know. That's a know, great point, actually. force 8,000 cards all the way up to the G force, what, 700s out now or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so you have to plan for the lowest common denominator, and it's impressive how much graphics they can get, um, but it still limits the physics engine and stuff how, how much you can do. So when you end up with lots and lots of polygons on the screen, you run into some serious problems. And, like, I think some of the earlier games – got to got around that because they didn't even have, you know, a couple polygons on
0: the screen, right. <laughs> you know, not but, a whole lot. Yeah. So aside from just doing MMOs right in general, like I think that, that Firefall does a really good job with its free to play model stuff. You know, and I don't it's... think
2: there's necessarily a right model, a wrong model. I think, There are a ton of mechanics. As far as
0: free to play or MMO, what you mean?
2: Uh, Either Mm -hmm. either of them. Uh, There's a bunch of mechanics. You got to experiment. You got to do what's right and what feels right. Um, I've seen mechanics work in some games that don't work in others because they chose other rules that make those work. Right and. Designing a game is really hard to just make it not too hard or not too easy. You know, there's a balance you gotta develop. And when you do RPGs, I mean, figure out how much you're supposed to gain each level so one class doesn't outdo another. So much tinkering. Yeah, just yeah. to uh, and then to throw in, well, how much does this gamer spend his time versus how much he spends money? I can't even imagine how they're they they gotta go to like <laughs> gotta get an economics degree or something to well, balance you know, all this stuff. That's statistics. why
0: there's patches every ten damn seconds on any MMORPG that's worth its salt because they're constantly trying to balance things. I can yeah. remember when I was, again, going back to WoW, I know we're harping on WoW, but years ago playing WoW and <laughs> yeah, having conversations with my same group of friends that we played together with and they're talking about oh I remember back when warlocks were overpowered oh i remember when paladins were overpowered it's like you know everything goes through these phases because they're constantly tweaking things they're constantly adding things and they're constantly trying to balance and it may never really be perfectly in balance, but the that that quest to always balance is is key you can't just have well it's overpowered and we're just going to do it this way and it's unfair and we're just going to leave it and so that you're right. That must be just an absolutely unbelievably difficult challenge to overcome.
4: And well, then- they, they have millions and millions and millions of data points because they have millions and millions of people playing the game. And they, it's very clear that they track all of this. Oh, yeah. So, but it's got to
0: be such a bear to put that all together. Ten yeah,
4: years ago, there was, there was a zero base. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I think Firefall did the right thing. They did a slow slow growth thing, which is like the yeah, big thing really in cool. startups and business right now. By having slow growth, you can learn a lot more, study it and and develop this the systems right. So I think that's something they did correctly.
5: Yeah, basically they've said that there there isn't really like a release date. It's just going to basically continue growing to the point that they at one point they go, "Okay, this is the real game."
0: Kind of like what what Minecraft did. They just did like mm-hmm. and eventually they're just like, "Okay, fine, this is the official game." Yeah,
1: when you guys got me onto the beta of Minecraft, I remember you guys were talking about it. Oh, they're they're still doing the beta pricing. It's it's only this much, but the blog says that it's gonna go to the full version anytime now. So you gotta get in on the ground floor like now. And it was probably like a year and a half later that they finally took it out of beta.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, and uh, another thing with freemium games too. If you look at MMORPGs, most MMORPGs the highest point of playing is at launch because everyone wants to try the new game that just yeah, came out yeah and i feel so sorry for the free to play because you're gonna have you know an exponential amount of people when it's free to try it out for that first time versus having that you know sixty
0: dollar yeah, down your poor, payment. Your poor servers are going to be stressed. All the bugs <laughs> are going to be just like and, chugging.
2: And it's really unfortunate because you end up with a horrible player experience because all yeah. the servers are full and you you get disconnected and you really don't get a, a good full swing of the game.
4: These days, though, a lot of that is 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 I hate to use the word dynamic. dynamic. <laughs> so you have cloud-based environments where. Servers will come online when they hit X number of capacity. They'll, you know, this stuff is automated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's probably what they're doing with Firefall from an infrastructure standpoint. It's all virtualization. I would, I would, I would doubt that there's very much actual physical server. It's all virtualized. If it's not cloud based already, they may have server farms, but it's probably one to four or one to eight one physical hardware four or eight or maybe even 16 virtual servers. So these things are very very easy to spin up. Uh you know what we're getting capacity. Boom, they spin up another 25 servers capacity levels. 10 years ago, yeah, not the same. I mean, you would log into a realm and be like, uh, you have to wait for an hour and then you would log out. So it's like a weird they
0: character amount, yeah.
4: Yeah, I remember when TF2 went from a regular pay, you know, pay to play to free to play and they didn't have any hiccups. I mean, all of a sudden there were five hundred more servers or something like well, that. Like and- I logged in one day and I was like, Holy crap, there's a lot of valve servers. TF2 so- is
2: decentralized too, where MMOs are mostly centralized. And you're right, you can you can in a cloud environment spin up a bunch of connection handlers, but your back end database, it's not easily scaled. That needs to be on bare metal if you want any type of performance and that becomes a
0: real challenge
4: can't disagree with that at all
0: <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're going really long here so let's let's go final thoughts here you guys
5: uh well also uh, one thing i wanted to bring up a, a little bit more before we do that is more a little bit more on on the way they're doing the microtransactions. okay in RID, let's hear it since that's mm. the subject uh there's quite a few other games i've played that you know the best equipment you can buy right off you can go in and buy the really powerful weapons and everything and then what a lot of them have done is they put like time limits on it so you buy that and you get it for like 30 days
1: Oh, and I played those games. That's miserable. Mother- game. That would be pretty
5: much what the the epitome of the pay to win that I would consider. Well, and yeah. there's
2: also uh, mechanics where the weapon degrades over time, like mm-hmm. you only get so many uses out of it.
5: Yeah, that's.
4: I just feel like that's ripping you off. That's yeah. just. I guess if it
2: depends Everybody, how it's done, because it can be a very effective game mechanic. Because you know. Everyone hates maintenance, right? You it solves do, a, it solves the some,
4: problem. It well, solves the problem of pay to win. That's how they solve it. Well,
2: it creates busy work too because everyone hates maintenance, but a game without maintenance is no fun to play either.
5: Right. And actually, Firefall does have maintenance, and the weapons you build do have a lifespan. But, right, but it's not, not like you buy for, one and you, and you get it you, for yeah, five days and you and farm you're up 10 resources stronger, and you yeah. create your weapon. Yeah. Um, so what Firefall has done with their with their payment is most of the things that you buy. Are, they do have experience boosts, which I'm on the fence over. I can see it is all it does is it lets you level up a little bit faster, but it also lets you level up faster than somebody who's. But at not the paying. same time, the leveling up thing doesn't have anything to do with competitive play, so yeah. I'm pretty much cool with it personally. Um, in turn, and then they do all you can pay to unlock the different battle frames, which are the different styles of play. Yeah, you can also unlock those by playing, um, but right now the easiest far most you know non time consuming is to is to buy them yeah and so they have a couple starter packs like you can buy the 20 dollar pack where you get two unlocks and then you get a certain amount of the current the real money currency uh and then they have one that's a 100 bucks where you get all of them and then you get an in-game motorcycle and a couple other bonuses um and then they have, but pretty much everything else that you can spend the money on is all cosmetic stuff to customize it's your cosmetics character. and flavor of items, and then convenience items. You can buy like they have something that's
0: basically a, a glider platform, and they're at different key locations, and you basically jump on it, it shoot you like fifty feet into the air, and then these. Like little electronic wings pop out of your back, and you can basically glide down. Well, not wings, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, uh, it's, just, it, it's yeah, they're like little. They're actually really neat. It's but it's very, very much re-
4: to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. is
0: exactly what <laughs> right? it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. but but it works really well. It's actually really entertaining to fly like that. Yeah. And it's
1: a glider. It's not it, like it, it a
0: jetpack. Right. Exactly. Where you can zip across. The but map, but yeah. I was gonna say that, that that you can actually purchase with real money a rechargeable pad that you can drop down places. It's not
4: gonna but make. You can it, build one too. Some point. In use. the game, right? Oh. But so right. You, you, but but you don't really have to cheap, buy them.
5: But you right. no, you can drop, not real money though. It, you drop it one time, you use it, it's gone. Right. This is actually one that you get that has like, like a hundred one second. It's, cool it's got a
0: one one hundred second cooldown. And so there's that. You can also you could in theory spend mm-hmm. a bunch of time and money getting or spend a bunch of time and points and and like in-game currency to get the motorcycle, or you could just buy it but that doesn't give you any kind of an advantage over anybody else like that's the thing like it's 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 only making your personal experience more convenient it doesn't do anything convenient or or like customized it doesn't do anything to give you an advantage over others
4: i would say that there the only minor advantage that i could say that it would probably give you is that farther things events that happen farther away you could get there much quicker than other people sure, sure, so sure. there's yeah. an, there's an opportunity for you to gain to experience yeah. but that's, like, I feel like that's acceptable.
0: And I think that the the way that the game works with having the uh, the dynamic, the having the dynamic <laughs> quests popping up left and right and having them be all over the damn map is that it's really the game, the way the game wants to work is that you have followed the natural progression of things that are near you. Because if you see something, because I've been like, I want to work on this kind of mission because it's more fun than this one over here, but I could do either. I set my my waypoint to this faraway mission, by the time I get there, it's done because everybody has access to the same mission. And so this game doesn't really work like that. And so, yeah, in theory, you might be able to get to a mission that you couldn't have gotten to otherwise. But even then people that are right by like missions don't last long. If you sat there and just like pressed M to see map and sat back for like five or 10 minutes, you'd see missions come up and disappear pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's meant to be just go to the nearby shit yeah. and work your way around.
1: And every time one gets finished,
0: another one pops up. Yeah.
2: Well, it's it's a sandbox. It's just more freedom in the sandbox exactly. than you have
0: had before. And you can get lost in this game. That's one of the cool things about it is that it's not, oh, I go to town. I get a bunch of quests. I go out and I do my quest loop. And then I come back and I get my experience and I heal and I I repair my shit. It's like you go out and it's like. Bing, new mission over here. Bloop, go do that mission. Bing, new mission over here. Bloop, go over here, do that mission. Oh, there's an incursion. Oh, there's more guys over here. There's a hit squad over here. Oh, oh this town's getting attacked. And you can just... It's a bottomless pit of entertainment, not a yeah. bottomless pit of grinding and board, What happens board, if a, you die? You, if you die, you respawn at one of the... More, gotcha. At one, at the, one, either a
5: tower or a town.
0: Yeah, and they typically are near-ish where you died, and a lot of those places will have the glider pads, and so you can almost always get back into the fight in, like, probably under 30
5: seconds. Is
2: the only penalty a distance? Yeah, uh, yeah, there
5: is a item repairs. So I basically, know. the way they do the item repairs in terms of durability mm-hmm. is you take that your items take durability damage, and then you can go back to a repair station repair them. On, on but that, do they take more damage? That what well, what it does is you have a limited amount of basically repair that you can do to those before they are broken.
0: No, but are you talking specifically? Do they take more
5: damage when you die? Yeah.
1: Well,
0: yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, again, final thoughts. Let's play it. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's fun. free. It's fun. It's play. free. It's really, really well put together. It's only in beta, guys. When this is really out and they're ready to say like stamp of approval and sell installs in, you know, in boxes and shit, like this is gonna
5: be awesome.
2: And, and what do you got to lose? It, it's free. I mean, exactly. I wish I had all my games free grown up. This is kind of a nice trend. And you also it's just it growing.
5: Um they've they've said that right now they have 15 total frames that you can play. Uh five are basically free. And then 10 and the frames are basically like exo suit thing classes, basically. Yeah. Um Have
4: you I've only seen like the five that you were first. If you go with. to if more? you go.
0: So instead of when you first start, if you actually go to the there's little garages where you can upgrade and mess with your frame. Mm-hmm. If you scroll right on the bottom, there is like 10 more. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah.
1: And it's like two more versions of the same ones.
0: Yeah, like, like a, focusing – so like if you've got a healing class, then they have a healing class that is way more into the healing and support and then one that's way more into the like poison and destroy and dot sort of stuff. Um, but like, you, well, something you said, Dustin, earlier that before we came to the podcast, it was really interesting is they were – they're planning on making a shit ton of that's friends. That's actually what I was going to be
5: bringing. Yeah. Um, their, their plan eventually is to continue to add more and more types – As you level up, basically, you unlock what they call pilot tokens, and every 10 pilot tokens, you can unlock a new frame. They haven't said for sure, but this is an option that they're looking at, is they want to move towards kind of the League of Legends style with the characters available, where there's a rotating group that are available for everyone to use, and then you could permanently buy one so you always have access to that. But they're saying, we can't think about that until we have, you know, in the range of 70 to 100 frames available. So they're they're (laughs) planning on continuing to grow this and continuing to offer new new customizations and everything like that. It's going to so
2: be a, a balancing nightmare, Just especially while you have people playing. You're going to have to retune and rebalance every single yep. scene. the time name time of the game with all those suit. things, though. Or yeah. frame,
5: I'm sorry. Well, luckily, the thing is, is that this is a shooter, so you're limited by the skill yeah. at some point. So you have a—you're fairly— It's not all dice rolls and hit points and all that sort of stuff. It's like you still got to aim and shoot,
0: and heads do more damage. You know, it's like it's still a shooter.
5: Yeah, so, you know, like right now you have the basic assault, which has a, a plasma grenade launcher. And it hits for 400 in a splash damage area. Well, then you have one of the ones you can unlock is the Tiger Claw, which is a faster moving version of the assault. And it has a similar cannon, except it's 600 damage, but the radius is really small, almost to the point that you have to hit direct. And so overall, you can basically do the same damage. It just does it in a little bit different way.
0: And if you're more skillful, you can and you can aim better and more consistently hit people with a, you know, a dead eye target you're going to be able to take better advantage of that. But yeah. if you're not, you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's good for different gamers. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. And it depends if they have modifications where you get like a percentage bonus to a certain stat or attribute of a weapon or a player too. start that you'd start adding those to what you're talking about, this weapon. And all of a sudden that
0: range becomes a lot different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to wrap it up. It's a very interesting
5: conversation. Great to see everybody. Oh, yeah. And to mm-hmm. check out the game, it's firefallthegame.com.
4: You guys got me into, it, and I've enjoyed what I've played so far, and awesome. I'll be playing more. So cool.
5: Yeah. Well, so, you'll yeah. see us on
0: there. If you guys are interested in playing with us, just uh, say so in the comments below and in the show notes at podcast.pandamega.com, and we will hook up and uh, share screen names and start playing together because we're, we're all about that. So, well, thanks so much for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife@pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone
1: interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there.
2: Music's been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com.
3: If you want more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com.
5: This is Dustin, and we'll see you next time.
0: Whistle goes, whoop, whoop.
4: Whoop, whoop. Just
0: decoration. You got to
2: be up early in the morning. She's cooking breakfast. Cooking, <laughs> cooking breakfast. <So. laughs>